Hey listeners, before we get started, I want to point you in the direction for a great resource for any midwife, birth worker, anyone looking to branch out and be an entrepreneur. Check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. She has several resources on there as well as some courses. If you sign up for a course, use the discount code journey20discount for 20% off. Go check out midwiferybusinessconsultation.com. This special episode is in honor of International Maternal Mental Health Week. I am really excited to have on Mara Watts. She's the Director of Outreach and Education in Northern Virginia of the Postpartum Support Virginia. We talk about optimizing postpartum health and maternal mental health. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Okay, uh, another great podcast interview. This one is with Mara Watts. She's with Postpartum Support Virginia, and I am excited to have you on and be a special guest for all of our listeners. So hi, Mara. Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Excellent. So you are with Postpartum Support Virginia, so we're going to get in. Tell us a little bit about what that is exactly. Okay. What does that mean? Cool. So um, Postpartum Support Virginia is a nonprofit um, here in Virginia, clearly. And essentially the goal was when it started like 10 years ago was to try to get support groups into every hospital in Virginia um, that deliver babies. Um, And now we're in about half of them. And as that kind of went on, there was also this realization that there needed to be other things offered other than just support groups. So resources and educational opportunities and trainings and all of that. So essentially we want to provide support to any family in Virginia that is, is struggling or just needs information on anything that has to do with the perinatal timeframe. So that's essentially the goal. I mean, it's slow going, right? But it is um, definitely something we're working towards. Well, I think it's something great. And, Thank you. Um, it's sad that it's slow. Well, I think anything, yeah, like, I I just think mental health, anything is, it's slower than I want it to be. And I think just because I'm so immersed in this, I'm a therapist as well. So like, I am, you know, I just want everybody to be able to talk about what's going on with their mental health. So for me, it feels slow. It probably is fine. Right. But like, for me, I'm like, (laughs) everybody needs to be in therapy. Right. So, so that's why I think it feels slow to me. It's probably not like, um, completely objective. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So outside of Virginia, how would Mm -hmm. other states find this resource? Yeah, so Postpartum Support International is sort of like the big organization that does this. Um, And they have resources in all states and like many countries. So uh, you can just go on their website, um, just Google Postpartum Support International, and then you can go to the resources tab and click like they have a map. You click on what you want and it gives you sort of the state um, resource leaders there. And, um, for some States, it's one person for some States that are bigger, it gives you like the region. Um, they also have online support groups and people you can email. And that's sort of the best way to kind of figure out by state, um, who's, who's doing the work there. Well, that sounds easy enough. Yeah. Should be. Hopefully. Yeah. That's the goal. So 
what made you get involved? Yeah. So, so <laughs> I have two kids. So I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. Um, and I had a degree, I got my degree in counseling, like December, 2014 and had a baby two months later. Right. That's like the five-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's how math works. So I <laughs> was, you know, in theory, it's like a really good plan, right? Like you finish your master's degree and then you have a baby and you can like focus on that. But what it really did for me was just, I don't know. I think I went from like just being so busy and so intellectually stimulated and like so focused on this goal to like being at home with a small child that like, you know, wasn't really that exciting. I guess I was bored. Mm-hmm. Um, I was overwhelmed um, by all of the emotions that came with it. And I ended up sort of getting some postpartum anxiety and depression, but mostly anxiety was sort of what got me. Um, and when I started looking for help and support. And I waited like five months. So I was, I'm not like, don't, don't look at me as an example. Like that's too long to wait for support. So I found a support group through postpartum support Virginia and went to that group. And it was incredibly helpful because I think what I needed honestly was to be able to say some of the things I was feeling like I love my baby and I'm completely overwhelmed. Right. And Mm -hmm. have all of these other women in the room sort of like look and nod at me instead of, you know, any sort of shame, which is what I was feeling about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of, and, and that was so helpful. And I got, you know, better really quickly. And then I was just like, you know, I'm going to use my counseling skills that I haven't been using now and sort of try to get involved. So I ended up actually taking over that group um, a few months later. Um, and then again, like just sort of being around and in the hospital and sort of realizing like how broken our system is and how we're really failing women, Um, and I just couldn't really look away. So I just sort of created a role for myself over the past couple of years where, um, now I'm leading a support group in the NICU at Anova Fairfax. They didn't have anything until about a year ago. Um, you know, training the nurses, getting everybody sort of on the same page about what we're looking for, the words we're saying and how we're supporting women. Like it just, I don't know. I think I just got passionate about women in a different way when I was like oh look we're failed on every Mm -hmm. level of this Mm -hmm. system and so I'm going to do something about it so yeah it was my own experience that sort of got me to focus on how I wanted to help and then you know it was great because now I can actually use that counseling degree to do all of the things um, do you feel like that helped the second go around with your second baby? Oh yeah. I had such a better experience. Like I knew what my triggers were going to be. I hired people or asked people to help support me that were going to like keep an eye on that. Um, and just was able, I mean, again, like huge transition, definitely, definitely like some big emotions and some meltdowns, right? Like that's not the goal is not to have Mm -hmm. no emotions, but I definitely could manage it. And I think I had the perspective that it gets better. It gets easier. They actually do sleep. Right. The first time you're like, is this <laughs> it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is this motherhood? They're up every two hours. And, um, and you don't have a perspective that like, no, you know, the relationship becomes more reciprocal. You, um, will get time to yourself again. <laughs> you will feel like an okay human being down the road. Mm-hmm. So I guess the second time I felt like, yeah, like I know that this is short lived that they will, this child will sleep at some point. Um, but still a transition, right? Like, I think we're just not very good at transitions and change as like a human species. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my theory, right? Like, yeah, I, I haven't met anybody that's like, I am phenomenal 
-mm. at change. Like I just haven't. So I think it's hard. And yeah, I just lined up really good people and um, did a postpartum plan, by the way. Um, Mm -hmm. And just, yeah. And just like had it all written down, like worst case scenarios, this is what we're going to do. And then it just ended up being a completely different um, experience. So, so in your five, six years do you find that that's the case in general that uh, moms families are doing better consecutive babies um I think if you do it this way right like if you acknowledge what's going on and you write down your triggers and you come up with a plan it is incredibly successful that's not actually what I'm seeing what I'm seeing is women who like didn't get help the first time Mm -hmm. Right. And just sort of powered through whatever that means and then have another baby and it built. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think if you sort of, yeah, I think if you plan, you can be incredibly successful. I think if you don't involve other people and you get isolated, that's really tricky. That's, that's where things get a little dicey. So can you talk about some key things to plan or that you may want to write down to help that? Yeah, for sure. And we actually have a postpartum plan on our website that anybody can go to and print out and download and use with everybody. Um, So, and and it talks about everything, right? Like it talks about, okay, who are the people in your life that are going to help you get food, right? Like who do you want to cook for you and bring over food Mm -hmm. and who is going to support the decisions you make for feeding your baby and how you feed your baby, right? Like, is there somebody who thinks breastfeeding is the only, only, only way, and that is going to be a struggle for you, then like they don't get to come help you with the feeding, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Who's allowed to come to the hospital if you're having a baby in a hospital? Who's going to take care of your older kid? Um, Where are the support groups in the area? Like, so if you need it, let's write it down. Who are the therapists in the area that can help? And what you do is write down the name and the number of these people so that when you're, if you are in a space where you're having some anxiety and you're having some depression, it's really hard to then do the search right then. Right. Like that. So the goal is to just have it already there. Like we've already planned for this. We already know what to do. Here are the people that are going to help. Like I've already done that part and it helps for partners, support people. They have it too. Right. They can be like, okay, something's not right here. Let me do the helping. Like we've already done this. Right. I don't even have to ask you who you want here. It's already down. Um, And for me, like the big trigger was the breastfeeding and feeding. So like I hired a lactation consultant the second time who would like not, who who was just open to any solution, right? Like she wasn't super heavy on, you have to have to breastfeed, but she did understand clearly like the benefits of breast milk. And I was like, you have to, if I am losing my mind, like you have to tell me, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So again, that's what I'm talking about, figuring out your triggers and then finding people who will help um, support you for those, I guess. So, yeah. So please, everybody use that postpartum plan. It's huge. It's great. Even if you think you're not going to need it. No, that's like, but like, I think I'm thinking about like your job specifically, like you come up with like a birth plan, right? Like that's part of, right. And you spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time figuring out what you want, medication, not home birth, not right. Like we spend a lot of time in that, in that planning and it's valuable. Um, I just think while you're doing that, also looking at, what's the plan for right after? I think we, we plan this birth that like, we don't have a ton of control over, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. there's a baby that we don't know what they're going to do. Um, and the part you actually have control over is the after. So mm-hmm. while you're birth planning, keep doing that <laughs> and then come in with the postpartum plan. Um, mm-hmm. and I think midwives can really, I mean, you guys can do that 
um, really effectively, I think, as you're doing kind of a birth plan of what do we want here? What are our goals? Yeah. And I think we need to be better about encouraging that because across the board, we do encourage birth plans and feeding plans. And sure. What about you? (laughs) Right. And so add that, right? Like still do all that. That's great. Right. And also like, what are we, you know, this is a one in five women get, you know, anxiety or depression or both. Like, let's just go ahead and make a plan just in case. Right. Like, I I don't know. I just think it's really empowering to say, here it is. Like, here's what we're going to do. We already know. We already know what to do to fix this. So you guys have an opportunity because as a therapist, like I'm getting people after, right? Like you're already in it by the time you get to me, which is fine. Like I got you. I'm totally going to handle that. But I think you also, we can partner with you all and say like, Hey, like you guys do the pre-planning and then if it's needed, like here we are. Like, absolutely. We got you. And it's like, we're on the preventative side, whereas you're on the fixed side. So we can do more preventative care. Right. That would be huge. Mm -hmm. And if a woman has any sort of post or, um, you know, if in pregnancy, they're feeling anxious or depressed, they're at higher risk, clearly, of bringing that into the postpartum period. So if you're seeing anything in that time frame, um, I think it's worth, it's, it's worth just treating it right then. Right. Um, so that's the other thing you guys can look for and sort of figure out, like, is this some sort of normal anxiety that we all have when we're pregnant and thinking about, you know, going into labor and having a baby? Or is this something that's sort of affecting functioning? And is that something that we want to start treating now? Um, and that's always really helpful to get to. The sooner we get to women, the better. The, the, this is incredibly treatable. And so that's what I, I mean, don't shy away from asking the hard questions. Just we can, we can help. So it would be better for us to get to women right away. Yes. And to lead into that. So we use the EPDS. So yeah. What are your thoughts on that as a tool? <laughs> yeah. And are there, what other options could there be that might help us better? Yeah. The Edinburgh is the best thing we have right right now. I mean, it was also created by like a white dude in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. is it lacking? Yes. Um, I think you can do a combo platter. I mean, you certainly can do the Edinburgh. You can do the PHQ9. Um, but I don't like, lo- I don't know. I'm just like, I don't love any of those assessments. Yeah. I think like a conversation is really helpful. And again, just to like tell you the stuff we have on our website, like we have a predictors and risk factors sheet. I think you got, you have that too. Um, And I like that one so much better. It does require like a conversation, right? Like you're not just handing someone an assessment, having them answer questions and getting a score. Um, But the predictors and risk factors sheet breaks it down into like physiological factors, internal factors, environmental factors. Cause again, we don't know, we don't know why some women get this and some women don't. And what it allows a mom to do is look at it and check off anything that they may have or have conversations. Cause like one of the things I'm looking at right now about um, physiological factors is like a family history of mood and anxiety disorders, right. Or mm-hmm. a family history of perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So if, if your mom or your sister had perinatal depression or anxiety, you're at a higher risk. Right. Mm-hmm. But some women come to me and they're like, I actually didn't know my mom had postpartum depression until I talked to her about it last week. Right. So like, these are things that would be awesome to talk about when you're pregnant. Like mm-hmm. how was your postpartum period, mom? <laughs> like how, like how did you transition? How was the hormone shift mm-hmm. and get some information? Cause again, then you're prepared. Um, any sort of fertility treatments put you at higher risk. So like, these are things you can know going in a history of miscarriage, right? Yeah. Um, 
any sort of perfectionist tendencies, right? Like if you're working with a woman and her birth plan is like super specific, right? Mm. Like she wants to have a playlist where the baby crowns to like Beyonce. Like what? <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Goals. But like, let's look at that and let's really like come up with some contingency plans here. And then maybe you're asking different questions about mm. anxiety. Um, and then just any sort of history of trauma. So those are also like things that we can be addressing before you have a baby, right? Yeah. So some moms mean... don't realize that they experience trauma, I would have to say. And I think that takes a keen yeah. cl- clinician to say, you're exhibiting, you know, clues of that you've experienced trauma. I just had well, that I think the other just, day. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think we're all very, um, I think when people think of trauma, they're like, well, I wasn't at war right mm-hmm. like I didn't I didn't getting a lot more information now like no like that's not what we mean mm-hmm. <laughs> right like trauma is different and your brain reacts to trauma and you can't control it like it's not like some people can be like oh I just power through it like that's not how this works right so any sort of trauma or even like if you if there's a perception of a birth being traumatic mm-hmm. right um, and this is all perception so like for a clinician it can see oh yeah like totally that was fine right like um, and for the mom, it can feel really traumatic. I mean, they asked doctors, like, what percentage of births do you think are traumatic? And I think, I saw that. I think yeah, I think they said, like, 1%. Like yeah. 1% are medically traumatic. That's, like, what they said. And when they asked yeah. moms, it was about 30 to 35% yeah. of moms were like, no, something about my labor and delivery was traumatic. Yeah. Um, and midwives, you have a huge um, opportunity here because one of the things that they really figured out causes this perception of trauma or trauma was being alone with, with fear and pain, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this opportunity to say to people like, no, like I, I got you, I'm mm-hmm. here with you. Um, and also you're with women that first 72 hours, if you can validate someone's experience and debrief with them about what happened and why, yes, like those women go on to, for, they get much, they get much better, much quicker, if that yeah. makes sense. I totally agree. So yeah, so all you have to say to somebody is like hey, that was crazy. <laughs> like, do you have any questions about what went on there? Like that got a little dicey, you know? Yeah. Um, like I'm even thinking my sister had a baby. She had a prolapse cord. This was four months ago. Mm-hmm. And her doctor like looked her in the face and said, um, things are going to get a little scary and I'm going to stop talking to you here for a second just to make sure everybody knows what they're doing, but we got you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And this, and my sister, could, I mean, she would be at high risk for having postpartum depression and anxiety and in fact she's thriving right mm-hmm. um so again like not to use that as you know that's not a really big sample size one person but <laughs> like if one. we're just <laughs> yeah but if we're just like looking at an experience here someone just saying to you like hey I got you um yeah. it's gonna get a little scary here but I I just want you to know like like we know what we're doing and we're gonna go really fast here for a second you know yeah. Um, and then after the doctor came into her and said, hey, that was crazy. Exactly what I just said. Like any questions about what went on and why we did what we did and why it happened so fast. And she got all her questions answered within 48 hours. Yeah. Like, right. So that's a really easy thing you all can do. And then sort of say, hey, you're at higher risk for depression, anxiety and trauma. Let's keep an eyeball on that. And um, if it does sort of stick around and linger, like we know exactly what to do for you. Yeah, and I love to go back to the the risk factor thing you're talking about on your website. Yeah, and we had talked about this in class was showing it to the mom or the family and saying, "Look at all these things. 
right. so they can see and be aware. These are, oh, yeah, I do have these risk factors. Well, and it takes like, then it takes sort of the power of this and puts it on the paper, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because again, we're really hard on ourselves when it comes to mental health and being able to handle things, right? So sometimes I think we get into the space, and I was like this as a new mom, like I should be, there's a lot of shoulds, right? Like I should be enjoying this more. I should be able to handle this. I should whatever, right? And somehow looking at this paper and being like, oh, wow, like actually look at this. I do have a personal history of mood and anxiety disorder. I do have a family history. It was a really difficult labor and delivery in emergency c-section oh wow like we did just move we just like you know what I mean all of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're like oh okay so maybe it's not me maybe it's all these things and I think the other thing to remind women of is like systemically the United States is not great at supporting moms um at supporting like leave family leave Mm -hmm. and so I think a lot of times I'm saying to women like you're not broken right like you should not be ready to go back to work at eight to 12 weeks. Like you should mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think because it's the expectation of our country and our system, moms tend to think like there's something wrong with me that I'm not ready to go back. And that's not the case. There's something wrong with us as an entire um, system. So sort of a reminder here too, that like, you're not, you're not the problem. Right? Yep. And some people are having to go back at two and four weeks. It's absurd. Crazy. Not I mean, it's okay. illegal. Like it's illegal to separate puppies from their moms, right? Like yeah. I think up mm-hmm. to eight weeks. So that's great. And I think like my sister was like, I have four weeks or four months off of work, and I was like, oh, that's great. And then I just yeah. felt like was like, why are we excited about four months? Like that's yeah. not even. Anyways, whatever. Yeah. That's a whole other podcast. It absolutely episode. is. <laughs> totally there oh, with you. I did my doctorate project actually on that. So. Yeah. I, no, I mean, fired up. We could all go like yeah. bum rush the Senate right now, but um, mm-hmm. we won't. We won't do it. But yeah, but just a reminder, right? Like for everybody out there. Um, so we'll talk about a little bit of clinician thing, clinician sure. aspects, what we're looking at. So what was really enlightening for me, probably remember me saying this in class, but I want you to talk about is um, intrusive thoughts yes. and how they are common and just yes. some detail on that. Yeah. So intrusive thoughts, like I think about 85 to 90% of the population has intrusive thoughts. So these are things we're talking about, like where you drive over, you know, a bridge and you think what ha- would happen if I drove my car off or if my car went off and then you don't and you keep driving. So essentially the idea of intrusive thoughts is that you're assessing risk and your brain doesn't know always like what's real and what's perceived. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then what happens is you have a baby and you're now looking at the world and the dangers of the world in a completely different way, right? Things that did not seem dangerous before, like walking up and down the stairs, um, now seems to be a risk. So most women have some sort of intrusive thought, right? Whether it's my baby's going to stop breathing. Are they okay? Um, am I going going to fall down the stairs, um, things like that. So as far as like clinically, what we're looking at, the presence of the intrusive thought is not disturbing to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what I'm looking at is how is it affecting your functioning? So if you're thinking about, oh, what would happen if I went out on the balcony and the baby fell over the balcony, right? But you're still going out and you're still sitting out on the balcony and, and enjoying your life. That's one thing. But if you're now not going into the room that the balcony is attached to, now that's impairing your functioning. Right. And now we want to look at that in a different way. So I would say most women will be having this intrusive thought, these intrusive thoughts. But again, when it starts affecting your 
functioning, we're looking at it from an anxiety point of view or from even a postpartum or perinatal OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of these women think that they're having psychosis. They are not. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, women who are having intrusive thoughts and are disturbed about their intrusive thoughts are automatically precluded from psychosis. Okay. Um, but they're really scary, really, really scary. So again, often we just ask women, are you having any thoughts that scare you? And that's something mm-hmm. you can ask your clients too. Like, are you having any thoughts that scare you? And then that covers like any sort of suicidal ideation and then any sort of like thought of harm to the baby, whether or not like that doesn't necessarily mean that that person's at risk of doing harm, mm-hmm. but that is somebody that we want to get into treatment. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and I mean, just a therapist or, um, you know, a support group or something where they can really talk about that and get some support for, for what that means. Um, and I want to emphasize that if you're having scary thoughts that scare you, you yes. don't have psychosis. <laughs> yes. If you are disturbed by these thoughts, you automatically don't have psychosis. Yes. Someone with psychosis will not be disturbed by these thoughts. They will seem totally fine. Right. And some works. of these, we won't get into the gory because some of them are really scary. But as we talked about in your training, they can be thoughts of like harming your baby physically, sure. sexually, yeah. things that just are mortifying that you don't want to share with people that happen in our brain. Correct. And again, it's it's assessing risk. So like we love this thing more than anything and we're looking at the world, right? So now we're like, I don't want any of these things to happen. And our brain doesn't always know what to do with that, right? With all, again, with all of the hormone shift and with all of the anxiety and with all of the emotions and it doesn't always process exactly how we would like it to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And we can treat that, okay? I want that to be loud and clear too. Like we got you, this is treatable. (laughs) Like you're not stuck in this and the thoughts don't own you. So um, that is something you'd want to reach out about. Um, and, and again, like we can work with that. And I, I, I do think, you know, lots of women have intrusive thoughts, um, and it doesn't always fall into the OCD cat- category. I mean, we have the, I remember with training, I gave you like, here are the boxes of all the things like women don't normally fit into, they normally have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, again, as a clinician, what we're looking at is which part is affecting your functioning most. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we start there. Um, and then, you know, we can sort of like treat all of that, but a lot of it is like, you know, secrets really fuel shame and then shame fuels secrets. And a lot of times women are holding on to these thoughts because they mm-hmm. think, God, I'm the worst mom in the world. Or like, what, you know what I mean? What kind of mom has these thoughts? And as soon as it's out, as soon as you say, like, I've been having these thoughts that I will fall down the stairs and harm my baby, or I'm having thoughts that, you know, what if while I'm changing my baby's diaper, I am actually like doing harm to them. Right. Like, as soon as you say it out loud and someone says like, no, like this is just your brain trying to manage all of this. Like even that can be really healing for somebody mm-hmm. um, and kind of starts them on the path to wellness again. So yeah, yeah it, we got you on that. Like that's, that's just, again, our society not really knowing enough about what this looks like. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of that, right? <laughs> Lots. Like, there's a lot of broken things here and um, yeah. we got you. We can, we can fix this. This is treatable. Yeah. This is, it's just also reassuring for yeah, everyone. For sure. God, I wish I had known this when I was like freaking oh, out about me things too. though. Me too. Anyhow. Yeah. So we're, when we're looking at postpartum depression, at mm-hmm. what point, as far as like 
you know, midwifery or anybody caring for moms or yeah. families, when do we start to think about PMAD or major depression or something beyond that postpartum? Yeah. Period? Well, I mean, the DSM is pretty lacking as far as like, um, you know, bringing into account that this is like a perinatal or a postpartum issue. Mm-hmm. There is no postpartum depression in the DSM, mm-hmm. first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. So normally, like what I'm diagnosing people with is just anxiety dis- or um, adjustment disorder, right? Okay. Which seems really accurate, right? Like, yes, you are having an adjustment reaction to like yeah. a huge change in life. That feels right, right? Yeah. Um, I think any time a woman feels like they are not themselves, that that is something that I would want looked at, right? And I don't, you know, there's also this perception that like when you come to therapy, you like sign, you're coming for years and you're going to like lay on my couch and talk about your childhood. Like that's not what this needs to look like at all. This can look like three or four sessions of us just processing some of these thoughts that are scaring you or processing the fact that like you're having a hard time getting out of bed or processing the thought, you know, that you are um, not able to sleep. Right. And really coming up with like a short term plan to get you through whatever that is. It doesn't have to be a long drawn out process. It can Mm -hmm. be. That's fine, too. But it doesn't have to be. Um, So as far as like depression, I'm not so like into labels. I just think if something's Mm -hmm. bothering you, reach out, even if it's just a conversation that we have you know, for 30 minutes where we figure out, okay, no, it seems like things are good. And if these things start happening, like you can't sleep while your baby's sleeping, or you are having thoughts that are scaring you, like, please reach out. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we're just, we're kind of lacking in that piece, right? I mean, I can give you the Edinburgh and you can score high and then I can diagnose you with something. Um, I mean, I'd probably fail the Edinburgh right now if I took it, to be honest with you. So <laughs> just saying, but funny, like, not I, funny, I, funny, not funny. Yeah. But I think, again, we're looking at you personally as a human, are you, you should still feel like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Even though there's a huge transition going on. Right. But there should some be at the core, you should still feel like you. And if you don't, um, we want, we want to help. So I think yeah. that, I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, well, yeah. there's no solid answer really. There's not. And I think, well, I also think it like, it depends on you. Right. So like my good friend and I had babies at the same time. She's super organized and writes lists all the time. So like if you walk into her house and she was like, lists of things, you wouldn't be concerned, but I don't do that. I'm sort of fly by the seat of my pants and wing Mm -hmm. it. Right. So if you came in and all of a sudden everything was like on a list, you might be like, "Mm, that feels concerning. Right. So it's not, it's not the presence of the list. That's the problem. It's like, how does this compare to how you behaved before? Like, is it, yeah. Are we now concerned about, about your behavior? Do you not feel like you? Right. And it's sure hard to do that with one six week postpartum visit that lasts 10 minutes. Well, right. I mean, OBs aren't doing that. I mean, not to knock OBs, but they're not doing that right well anyone doing I know midwives that are doing just six week visits that last 10 minutes when you're in a busy busy practice so yeah it's not quite gonna cut it I mean I think it but I also again our system is broken so this Mm -hmm. is not like I mean I'm not trying to be critical of the fact that that is how our system is is kind of set up so I think if you can really only ask like a few things it would be the sleep thing so how is your sleep? Meaning like if your child is sleeping, can you turn your brain off? 
yeah. to sleep. Okay. So that's one. And then the other one would be again about, are you having any thoughts that are concerning you? Yeah. Right. So again, if you have no time for anything else, those two questions, and then hopefully some sort of like piece of paper that has a phone number that they can call to get, to get, you know, resources or to get more support and explaining that it's super common. So again, okay. So those are the three things maybe. Yeah. That's uh, excellent. Sleep. I think sleep thoughts that are scaring you. Um, this is really common. Here's what you do. If you're concerned, don't just power through it, reach back out. Right. Yeah. Like maybe those are the things. Cause again, I know that it's tricky. Like in a perfect world, you'd have a longer time to see people, but I know that's not really how this is going at the moment. We'll fix yeah. that next time. Yeah. We'll try. Yes. But that <laughs> yeah. is great, great advice for someone that's got these short, cause you can pre-prepare that little pack of paper. For sure. And for sure. Just leave it in your exam room as a handout. Yeah. Uh, along do. with your postpartum plan when you're seeing OB patients. That would be so. really helpful. Yeah. I think if those things could shift in the, at, at least at first, that would be huge. That would yeah. be huge. Um, so what are some things in midwifery education could you speak on that maybe we add in to prepare midwives better for the postpartum period? Well, what are you, I mean, can you give me some insight? Like, what does it look like now when you go to school as far as, <laughs> okay, I went to school like five years ago. I don't, well, I mean, what are you I getting do... as far as like perinatal depression and anxiety? Like, are you getting basics, a class? Or, okay. No, no. Right. not a whole right. class. Like, well, we have a postpartum, like, not a whole class. No, but that could okay. vary on the school, but I would say not a ton of resources. Maybe okay. every state's different. I don't know. So, yeah, it's yeah. hard to say because you didn't go through midwifery school. I didn't. Um, yeah. And I don't want to. I'm okay. going to leave that gotcha. to, to you people. <laughs> um, but I think, God, I mean, if people could have an, a class on it, that would be helpful. Yeah. Um, but I think even if, like, part of school would be even just to, like, research in your area, what, who are the therapists that are doing Excellent. this work? Who yeah. are the psychiatrists that actually know what they're doing as far as reproductive yeah. psychiatry who um, where are the support groups and who again on that PSI like they have people who are you know designated for that particular state so at least kind of knowing that and then yes. saying to a woman like here are some resources if these people do not reach back out to you contact me and I will do the research because I think again what you have to remember that is when somebody is anxious or depressed saying to them Google this can be, you might have already lost that person, mm -hmm. right? Because you're giving them a task that their brain very well may not be able to do in that moment. Okay. Especially yeah. if there's been trauma, because if there's been trauma in that birth, their left brain has started to shut down in that trauma, which is all of the stuff about rational thought and language. <laughs> so what you're saying to someone is Google something and it's already we're done. Right. So if you can do a quick Google search and say, Hey, here's some therapist, or I emailed this therapist. Can I email this therapist on your behalf and just send an email that says like, Hey, here it is. I've mm -hmm. already done just that for us who are not in anxiety and depression. It's super easy task, right? Like yeah. it just requires a Google and an email um, for that woman. Super hard. Okay. So seeing what steps you can take away from that person. So yeah, I guess. In, okay. So let's go back to midwifery school. Um, <laughs> look at some of the things in your area so mm -hmm. that you have, you know, a resource list for yourself um, that then you can pass on to women, I think, and to families 
partners support people. Yes, that would be an excellent assignment slash project is where are you going to practice that you think and make a list. Yep, that's it. It's not, it really is not that hard, I don't think. Um, Yeah, you're right. and, And then looking at a postpartum plan, and again, you don't have to fill that out the entire thing out with people, but figuring out like, again, is this somebody who doesn't have any family around? Okay. So who are going to be their support people? Um, is this somebody that is a second birth and had a horrible time breastfeeding the first time? Who are we going to get involved for this woman ahead of time? So figuring out triggers and then, um, figuring out a way to support people. We know that the same triggers normally happen, right? Like, so, um, kind of problem solving that before it comes. So that would be like a very basic way that you could support people. For sure. Yeah. That's a good suggestion. There you go. What are the biggest barriers you have found for people accessing postpartum care and support? Oh, my God. There's so many barriers. Um, <laughs> okay. Give me I mean, three. Yeah. So I think one is, like, we're just really bad at mental health, right? We're really good at, like, physical health, and we're really bad at, like support, you know, su- you mm-hmm. know, even admitting our own stuff. I've been counseling, and I still waited five months to get help. So, like... That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think even admitting, hey, like this isn't right. Right. So that's a barrier. And then finding somebody. So, again, now you're not doing great. You know, you're not doing great. But like we, we just said, like getting connected to somebody is really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, like affordability. Right. So mm-hmm. many therapists and psychiatrists do not take insurance. Um, or maybe you don't have insurance, right? Like we're, that's tricky. So I think if you can't get to a psychiatrist or to a therapist, there's a lot of free support groups out there. So at least getting some FaceTime with people who are on, you know, in the exact same space that you're at. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, yeah, finding things, getting to places when you're feeling down. So accessibility, um, and then sort of finding people who understand, um, sort of the intricacies of perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, right? Like, and that's on, that's on my side of things. That's on me getting to therapists and explaining, like, when someone comes in, like, you don't need to ask about their childhood right away. Like, let's just see what's going on, like, right now in the present. Mm -hmm. So I think that's it. Like, finding people who are, you know, educated on the subject, being able to admit it, and then the accessibility. And um, it's not going to happen overnight, but hopefully we're all pushing in the right direction for um, you know, helping women and families, but mostly women. <laughs> Do you have a suggestion on how to find a counselor or a therapist? Like, is there a resource? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm still going to go with like the going on the PSI and finding the person who knows the resources for that area. Yeah. Um, worst case scenario, get in touch with me. <laughs> I will try mm-hmm. to help. We have like sort of this resource, um, chain of people where like, you know, I could connect you with, I could at least do the research and connect. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that's the best thing is, is finding someone in that area who at least knows like, Hey, here are the support groups or the therapists or word of mouth that can get you connected with somebody, but it's not easy. Like, no, it's really not. And even me, like I reached out to somebody, I was like, do you know, does anybody know anybody in New York that can, and it was like crickets. Right. So like, don't get frustrated um, and think that it's not something you're doing right. This is this is part of what's wrong here. Um, so reaching out to, um, yeah, any sort of local resources. But if that's not working, at least reading, reaching out to somebody who knows this work, we can at least try to connect you with somebody in that area. 
that's Good. not like a satisfactory answer, but no, I mean, it is the, the answer, you know, it is what it is. And I think yeah. it's nice to have somewhere to start versus yeah, just Googling sure. perinatal counselors in Hampton, Help me. Virginia. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Help no. me. So, yeah. and like I said, you can always, um, you know, reach out to me and I will at least try to help <laughs> figure it out. They'll, they can look on postpartum international and find you or postpartum support Virginia. Yeah. You can find yes. me. Yes. Um, and so I, do you have any resources as far as medication for clinicians? Yeah. yeah so Lactmed is one of them where mm-hmm. you can like look up and see if there's been research um, done on a particular medication. And then um, Mass General has a like call in line. You'd have to Google it. I'm not like on the top of my head. I can't remember what the website is, but you it's MCPAP for moms and you can like call in a psychiatrist or a doctor can call in and be like, Hey, I have a woman sitting here who's trying to still breastfeed, but is clearly struggling with postpartum depression. What do I mm-hmm. do? And they'll say, Oh, we'll start them at, you know, blah, blah, milligrams of this drug. And at least, you know, this is what we're looking for. Um, and I think there's, you know, some sort of development about that in different places, but at least to start, um, Mass General has a call in line for psychiatrists and doctors. Um, there's some websites, like I said, LactMed, where you can at least look and see, cause I think the biggest thing is like people want to breastfeed their kid or provide mm-hmm. breast milk in some mm-hmm. way. And they think they can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they take medication and that is not the case, there are some medications that are not safe, but there are many that are, um, you know, the risk seems very negligible. So I'm not a doctor. Don't take my word for that, but um, definitely look it up. And there are places that you can call and reach out. Yes. And in general, your starting SSRIs are safe for breastfeeding. I can say that. Yeah. I'm licensed to say that. Yeah. Great. And I think, yeah, most SSRIs are safe. Um, Many benzos are deemed safe. So like, again, you shouldn't be struggling thinking that like, oh, I can't breastfeed my or child or pump like right Right. so um it's a personal decision like i get that um but you like we know a little bit more now and again i was just at this conference and like the overwhelming um response of doctors was like if you're on medication stay on medication if it's working (laughs) like stay on it yeah um because i think yes there is a risk i certainly don't want to be like there's no risk to taking these drugs like there there may be a small risk but there's also a risk in being anxious and depressed. So we're, yes. we're not saying like, if you don't take this medication, like you're risk-free, right? Um, there's a risk to being anxious and depressed when you're pregnant and postpartum too. So what's the, what's the right answer for you as an individual um, needs to be really looked at. And I will say I took Zoloft and I stayed on Zoloft during my pregnancy the second time. And I provided breast milk and breastfed this child. And she is a dream. Again, it's not a good sample size. Right. I know that N of one is not good, but I will say like, and I will own that. Like, this is what I decided to do. I was not going to be anxious and depressed again. Like that was not the risk I wanted. Um, that is not what I chose. So I chose the Zoloft route and it was um, really successful. So I think we have to be more open about that too and sort of own it. Like, this is what I did. It's not a secret. Yeah. Like, this is how I was successful that second time was by hiring good people who I thought could be really honest with me and by staying on medication, deciding like, that's what I'm going to do here. Right. Like that's my choice. So I own that. And it truly is. I mean, N of thousands that do that. (laughs) Right. It's don't take my child, you know, everybody's situation's different, but many do medication. That's the point that we're making here. That's the point we're making. Yes. 
So you tell us, I want you to say it like I, we learned in the training because I thought that was so great. And it's important that we remember this being a mm-hmm. link in the chain and not the answer to everything. Yeah, I think there's a, that's really a valuable point because we are helpers, right? Midwives, mm-hmm. like you got into this because you wanted to help therapists. We got into this. You cannot save a person, right? Like you are simply a person who can put someone in touch with the next step. So um, if you figure out that someone is struggling with anxiety and depression as a midwife, it is not your job to treat it. It's not mm-hmm. your job to give them all the assessments and tell them what they should do. It is simply your job to connect them. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you would connect someone who is having trouble breastfeeding with a lactation consultant, right? Like you would do a warm handoff and you would say like, I'm here for you, but here's the next step. And just like I would do as a therapist, if I decide someone needs you know, psychiatric care, or if they need to go on and do more specific EMDR work, I would hand them off to somebody who can do that for them. So again, doing your due diligence, asking the questions, and then handing them off and having boundaries um, and trying to remain healthy yourself, right? Yes. We, work, we work in a really stressful field, both of us, midwives, yep. therapists, you have to take care of yourself. So, yep. and that's a whole other podcast episode too so yes. but <laughs> yeah, have link, two more <laughs> <laughs> yeah so link in a chain boundaries um and and making sure that we're yeah just doing our due diligence and then passing somebody off to the next person that can help support them yes excellent excellent advice do you have anything Thanks. else you want to add for me for everyone i don't know i feel like we talked about a lot i feel like i talked really fast um So, yeah, I don't know. I just think let's all work on this together and ask questions and don't pretend you know the answers to things. Reach out and we'll figure it out together. It's a team. Like, that's how this works. So we got you. Yeah. Thank you. Got you covered. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to interview or know someone who does or encourage someone who has a great story or viewpoint to share, have them reach out to me. Easy to find. I'm in one place now. Journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. The email address is in the show notes and on the podcast page. But again, journey to Midwifery Podcast at gmail.com. I can't wait to hear from you and share your story. Thank you.